Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. One in three women will experience anxiety over their lifetime. When you consider the things that happen when you become a mother, huge life change, sleep deprivation, and the responsibility of raising a human being, it's no wonder that so many mums are anxious. But anxiety is a complex and varied experience, and it's more than just a little amount of worry. Dr. Jody Richardson is the author of Anxious Mums, How Mums Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Strength. Hi, Jody. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Really well, thank you. How would you explain what anxiety is? Anxiety is our brain and our body's response in anticipation of a threat. And it's a bit different to fear. And I'll give you an example. When I was a little girl, I used to get 25 cents on a Friday after school to walk to the milk bar with my big brother. And we'd cut through a block of land and there were magpies that would uh, swoop if we, you know, if we got too close to the trees that they were nesting in. And when when you're experiencing some sort of an actual threat to your safety, uh, you experience a fear response. But the next time you approach or the next time I approach that particular block of land cutting through to go to the milk bar, what I experienced was anxiety, which was the anticipation of a threat. So I wasn't actually being threatened, but I was anticipating that that could happen. And so that's a good way to differentiate between the two. And what about the difference between worry and anxiety? When we become anxious, we experience a whole lot of changes in our physiology, so in our body, as well as in our thinking. So worry is one of those. Uh, We become very focused on uh, the threat, uh, whether it's did we say the wrong thing in a conversation or are we going to be able to speak clearly when we're delivering that presentation or am I going to be able to get along with the the, the new mums in my mother's group? All of those type of thinking changes and those worries are a, can can be a symptom of anxiety. And what we also need to know is that anxiety is very normal. It's a very normal response to a stressful situation, but it's more of an issue when anxiety doesn't settle down after the stressful situation has passed. Why do you think mums suffer from it so much? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And we, we do, as, as a general rule, the research shows us that women experience anxiety at twice the prevalence of men. And it's a huge difference. And there, there's a lot of research around it. And some of the thinking goes to the differences in brain structure. So the actual structure uh, in, in a woman's brain compared to a man's around the sort of the anxiety circuitry is different. We, of course, have hormonal fluctuations during a month, but also at different stages in our lives when menstruation, you know, begins, during you know, pregnancy, during a post-pregnancy and, of course, uh, menopause and, and the like. Also, the research shows that testosterone, which, of course, men have much more than we do, tends to be a little bit protective against anxiety. So they're just a few of the reasons. And there are different types of anxiety. Are you able to talk us through the main ones? Yes, there are a number of different types. So generalised anxiety disorder is really characterised by a lot of worry about a lot of things. 
And uh, this is something that I've experienced in the past where you don't need a good reason to worry. It just seems to be a pretty natural thing to do. And along with the worry, there are obviously the physical symptoms of anxiety. And, you know, when we get anxious, our body's preparing to defend ourselves in the face of a threat for us to be able to defend ourselves in the face of a threat. And so we have the racing heart, the changes in breathing, blood is shunted from our stomach to our major muscle groups so that we can fight or or flee. So we have a lot of the physical symptoms that come with generalised anxiety and other types of anxiety as well. There's social anxiety disorder, which women experience at a higher rate than men. And, and that's real fear and intrusive thoughts in relation to being judged in a social situation. And that's a challenge for a lot of people at the moment, especially coming out of, you know, if you've been in a lockdown for a long time, like we have here in, in Melbourne, you know, re-engaging in the world in a social way is proving a bit tricky for some people. And for many, that will just settle back down. Eventually, those uh, anxieties will settle as people become, you know, more comfortable back in social settings. But for some people, it, it's a, a lifelong challenge where no matter what social setting they're in, most will create these anxious feelings and this anxious response. The hardest part with social anxieties, like with any anxiety, the part of the brain that helps us um, make decisions and problem solve and, and really be able to think logically becomes unavailable when we're highly anxious. So if you are socially anxious and you're struggling to sort of, you know, think of what to say, and that just amplifies the anxiety and makes the makes the whole situation more of a challenge. Another type of anxiety is specific phobias. And so some people have phobias around birds or dogs or spiders or the water. And, uh, you know, the general thing we can say about anxiety is that there's a lot of avoidance. That's a really hallmark sign of anxiety is The idea that whatever provokes anxiety is something you'd rather not be around or approach or participate in. Sometimes anxiety can lead to panic attacks, which can be very frightening when you're in them. I mean, anxiety itself as an experience is uncomfortable. Are there any simple strategies that can help when you're experiencing the physical discomfort of anxiety? Yes. So... Exercise and movement is the natural end to an anxiety response of any kind, whether it's related to social or obsessive compulsive disorder or some of the other ones I mentioned earlier. And so because the body's being primed for movement, for fight or flight, we need to move to actually sort of use up all of the changes that have been happening in order to prepare us to keep safe. And so, yes, doing a a couple of minutes of skipping or some star jumps or some burpees or some running on the spot, something like that will help to sort of use up all of the changes and bring the the anxiety response to an end sooner than otherwise. It is important to get help, particularly when your anxiety stops you from participating in life. But how do you work out what the right help is for you? Mm. Yes, it is important to get the right help. And for some people, that's checking in with the GP and, you know, getting a recommendation through to some professional help, be it a, a psychologist 
or a counsellor or even a psychiatrist if a medication is an avenue that's being explored. And, you know, to that end, you know, when I first was diagnosed with anxiety, it was only because I experienced an episode of major depressive disorder, which is what took me to the doctor. Otherwise, my anxiety, I thought, was just a part of life. I didn't even know it was anxiety. And I was referred to a a psychologist and that wasn't the right fit for me. That particular first session just was really uncomfortable. It was really confronting and I didn't want to return to that particular professional. So I went back to my workplace, talked about it with my colleagues. Somebody recommended someone else. I went along. Again, wasn't the right fit. And uh, eventually I got recommended another psychologist who I ended up seeing on and off for, uh, I think, gosh, over 12 years. And so it's really important to find the right person once you have, you know, starting to establish a relationship with a professional. Because it makes it can make a huge difference, can't it? Very much so. The relationship with the counselling professional, be it a psychologist, a counsellor, the psychiatrist, is really crucial to the effectiveness of the treatment. I've never really talked to my kids about my own anxiety because I didn't want to scare them. I didn't want them to feel that I was out of control or anything that would make them worry. And I didn't really know the words to use. I mean, how should we talk to our kids about our own anxiety? Mm. Depending on their age, we can talk about it in different ways. And the one thing to, to remember about anxiety that, you know, a lot of us aren't taught is that it's a normal human emotion. And so we talk to our children. I think we've got a lot more uh, available to us to support us to really build our kids' emotional vocabulary and their intelligence. And so as we talk to them about feeling disappointed or frustrated, we can also talk to them about feeling anxious. It's okay to say those words. I must admit, in my home, for a long time, I never used the word anxiety or anxious because somehow I thought, if I don't say it, they'll never feel it. <laughs> yeah. But I was wrong about that. And I used to say, oh, I think you're feeling concerned or, you know, um, but it's okay to use the word anxious and teach them that it's a feeling. It, you know, it's something that we feel and it's it's a it's a it's something also to tune into because anxiety is not always something to to avoid you know i mean my philosophy is not about avoiding anxiety but you know we think anxiety equates with we don't want it it's unhelpful but you know if we have a change to a mole on our leg and we feel a bit anxious about the change that could really motivate us to go and seek help which is a good thing And if you're anxious about delivering a presentation in front of your peers in a workplace, that anxiety will likely motivate you to be very well prepared. And that's a good thing too. And so, you know, if we can help our children to recognise anxiety when it shows, learn what it might be telling them. Is Is it telling them that something's not quite right? Or is it a really normal response to something that's a bit stressful for them at school? Or... Is it something that's spilling over into becoming more of a more of a challenge? And you asked about talking about our own anxiety. I think we can sort of start by saying that, you know, and I, I do this in my home, my kids are 10 and 12, and for a few years now I'll say, look, you know, I get a little bit anxious sometimes and when that happens I might be a little bit, you know, irritable. I might not seem as happy as I normally am and it's nothing to worry about. I know what I need to do. I need to take a few deep breaths. Sometimes I need to have a little time alone. Sometimes I need to exercise. 
and uh, I know it will pass. And talking through it and coping out loud can really help kids to see that, oh, okay, this is what mum's going through. She knows what to do. When I go through it, I'll know what to do as well. And they learn a lot from watching. Your book is called Anxious Mums, How Mums Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Strength. I think when I've experienced anxiety, it is when I have felt the most vulnerable, weak um, and fragile than at any other time in my life. How are you proposing that mums can change that kind of emotion into something where they feel empowered? Mm. And, and you're right. And, and it, it is something that can make us feel you know, very vulnerable. And if we don't understand what's happening, sometimes we can feel really alone in that as well. Um, you said at the beginning how common it is. It's one in one in three women in Australia that, that struggle with it. One of the ways that we can, you know, and I, I propose in the book is, is learning to know your anxiety well, learning to know what your anxiety looks like because it it's a different experience for different people depending on the type of anxiety you have. We all experience a lot of similar symptoms, but, you know, what sh- what's the beginning of my anxiety might be different than the beginning of someone else's anxiety. So I really encourage women to recognise when anxiety is beginning to show up because ignoring those signs or not recognising them means it can sometimes sort of really wind up to a point where it's harder to sort of get through. And I talk about going through the middle and not going around the outside because it's not a nice feeling. It feels pretty awful. And a really common response is to do anything to avoid feeling it. So I put yeah. it yeah, I put it to women that, you know, for, for a start, we can start by going, you know what, I feel really anxious. It feels pretty awful, but I know that this will pass. That's that's definitely a first step. Once we we have this recognition that we can be anxious and that it's okay. One of the things it does is it starts to help us to end the struggle with the anxiety. A lot of the time what we'll do, you know, traditionally is avoid and that might mean jumping on socials and scrolling. It might mean opening the pantry and hoping something amazing has magically appeared or finding (laughs) any alternative. (laughs) That never happens in my house, sadly. Um, Or doing something, you know, wine, you know, drinking, you know, it's – um. You know, drinking is uh, alcohol is a depressant, so it helps to settle settle us down, and so that can be a way that you know I've done that too. I've been really anxious and sort of wanted to you know of, of an evening have a glass of wine or a G and T, and you know start to sort of relax a bit. But often what we find is that those strategies that we're using to mask how we're feeling or feel better can grow into challenges down the road of their own accord as well. You know, and if that means You know, if people are drinking every night and relying on that or eating through their feelings or numbing out in ways that really remove them from being present with family and friends, it's it's very debilitating and it adds to the challenge. So I really encourage women to recognise what they're experiencing, to know that, do you know what, you can actually feel anxious and still do what's important. So, you know, you can say to yourself, oh, gosh, I feel really, really anxious right now and recognise and notice all of the ways it's impacting you, but also go, you know what, just because I'm feeling anxious doesn't mean it's, you know, that I, I, I have to do anything about it. I can be anxious and I can still go and do the groceries or I can be anxious and I can sit, sit down and get a little bit of work done. Now, there might be adjustments, but if we have really meaningful pursuits, really meaningful goals, 
then we can take our anxiety along for the ride and get on with doing what matters. And it's no longer a big stop sign in our life where we have to sort of wait for the anxiety to go before we actually do anything that we want to do. So there's some of the things I write about. Is rest important as well for mums? Because I feel like sometimes we're the hamster in the wheel and that kind of fuels anxiety because you've, you're going round and round in the wheel, trying to keep everything going and everybody else, um, you know, happy and fed and clothed and all the rest of it. And there's never any time to stop and breathe and let your thoughts settle. Is rest a part of the equation? Mm, very much so. We have two branches of our nervous system, essentially, our fight or flight nervous system, which is the sympathetic nervous system, and we have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest nervous system, often also called feed and breed <laughs> because it's the, uh, you know, we need, to, we need to have that nervous system being in predominant control for fertility and the like. And so, you know, you can think about them as the red zone and the green zone and Ultimately, we need our body to be in the green zone most of the time and have the red zone, the fight or flight, on those occasions when we really need it, you know, when somebody's following us to our car or, you know, or when, you know, there's a, an emergency, you know, that we need to respond to. So definitely rest is imperative but extremely difficult for women to prioritise because we are everything to everyone in in most cases running the home having more of the domestic responsibilities more of the childcare responsibilities i hate to say childcare when they're your own children <laughs> um, <laughs> you are caring for them you so. are caring for them that's right and you know not only that i write a lot about the mental load and you know just having to remember everything you know mm-hmm. i mean it probably requires no explanation and that's a very knowing, mm-hmm, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. you know, it's everything and, and it's it's often not something we stop and really think about, you know, are you, you know, do you need a new fridge? Okay, well then, okay, so we need to like limp the last one along until we're ready. We need to find alternative, you know, ways of keeping things fresh. We need to research. We need to go shopping. We need to look. Are we converting points? Are we using the credit card? Are we paying cash? Are we... You know, are we getting a a deal somewhere? Who's got a sale? You know, just that example alone, you know, emptying the fridge, cleaning the fridge, you know, replacing everything, checking the use-by dates. You know, that's just one example of one task, a big task, you know, but day-to-day we have lots of little things, you know, the notices, the clean school uniforms. Have we got fresh rolls for lunches? Have I baked banana bread for the kids' play lunches? That was me yesterday. (laughs) Um, The mental load extends to our family, to our friends, to our work, and it's a lot to think about. And, you know, if we don't rest and we don't take some time, and sometimes it might be active rest, you know, it might be going for a walk and just taking a break from the thinking and from the responsibilities. Uh, There's a lot of women who would struggle to sort of sit idle and relax and listen to a lovely podcast like this one. Usually most women want to be doing something at the same time. So they can just we can just all think about ways we can rest our minds and being mindful in what we're doing, even when we are doing tasks around the home, that's that's a lovely way to rest our minds even when we're still moving as well. Well Jody, there is a lot in that to think about. Thank you so much for talking to us today. 
Oh, that's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Siobhan. That's Dr. Jodie Richardson, author of Anxious Mums, How Mums Can Turn Their Anxiety Into Strength. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.